Welcome to Romanistan. We're your friendly neighborhood gypsies. Oh, wait, we did it the opposite way. I know, isn't that weird? Did we do it? No, let's roll with it. I kind of always been wanting to say that. We're living our dreams. I guess secretly I wanted to welcome everyone to Romanistan. (laughs) That's so funny. Okay. I'm Paulina. And I'm Jess. And we're here to debrief episodes six and seven of Foretold by the LA Times. And wow, there's a lot to talk about. So just to recap really quickly, episode six details what happened when Paulina's children were taken from her by her, you know, her husband's family uh, for a month, right? Yep. Yeah, a month. And the struggle to find them, get them back, that was a very harrowing episode. And then episode seven is a slightly different perspective. It features fortune teller and author and filmmaker George Eli and focuses a lot on how complex the story is and how initially Faith thought she was telling a story about fortune telling scams, but it really wasn't about that at all. That was more how Paulina got her to pay attention to what was actually the problem, which was a custody battle. And the fact was that Paulina wasn't even really a scammer. And so I feel like there could be an asterisk where you might want to talk more about that. But let's start with how are you handling the criticism so far? I know it's been coming in waves for you. Yeah, so I feel like with the criticism, I am perfectly okay with receiving criticism where people have talked and told me, oh, you know, I don't really like how it's turning out, or I feel like you're not depicting us correctly, or, you know, you don't make it clear that this is not everybody else's story. And like, I think I have said those things, but again, I'm not also editing these episodes. And in the very same breath, if you're going to get verbally abusive with me, like, well, you know, you're a whore and you're ruining everybody's reputation. And you said that everybody was a cult, like, guys, I'm going to fucking block you. Like I can handle criticism, but I'm not dealing with your fucking verbal abuse. Like I'm totally over that. So that's kind of how I'm dealing with it. Like that I, I I'm dealing with it. You know what I mean? <laughs> I think that's reasonable for you to um, request no verbal abuse, although valid criticisms are, you know, you're willing to hear them. A lot of the time when people are criticizing to a degree, I agree with them to an extent like I don't think I did portray things correctly in the beginning and there is a part where they're like you know Paulina is no scam artist I feel like it's really not my whole identity I think people that have like listened to this podcast feel like they know me all like inside and out and so really these you know 10 9 10 episodes of 45 minutes each like of my life like yeah it's a lot it's a big time period of my life but there is more to my life (laughs) you know what I mean yeah especially you know focusing on episode six a lot of the impetus of these interviews before it was even a podcast was so you could maintain custody of your daughters after they were taken away for a month and I understand too that both on both sides, it sounded very fraught. They were very afraid you were going to take the children away. You were very afraid that they would never give the children back. 
So this is a really specific time of your life that you were talking about with a very specific purpose. What are your thoughts about what it's like to tell this very dramatic story and how people might perceive you? Oh, that's a hard question. I know. (laughs) I know. What's it like for them to tell this very dramatic story? It's so double-sided. In one breath, it feels like more dramatic for this entertainment effect. And in the other breath, I feel like so much more happened that is probably even more dramatic than that. And at the very same time, I feel like I don't want to be perceived anymore. Like I'm tired of that. And this thing isn't even all the way out yet. So I'm like, I don't know how much I was meant for this life. (laughs) No, but you know what I mean? It's not that much, but it still feels like, it still feels like a lot. And I don't know. I really don't even know how to answer that at this point. Like I'm still processing, you know? That makes a lot of sense because you weren't ever going to the LA Times thinking, I hope they may tell the story of my life. I'm going to become famous. (laughs) That's not what you were trying to do. That's not what you were doing. Really, you just wanted someone to testify for you in court while you managed this very real life problem. And it sort of became this thing that expanded and expanded, it sounds like to me. I remember when I found out that they couldn't testify for me, I was thinking to myself, like, why am I even going to talk to them then? And it dawned on me that maybe this particular thing could help other people. And at that time, I wasn't even successful in my journey of escaping, right? I say escaping, but I really mean just, I don't know, separating myself from that life and that community. So I felt even then being like 25% free compared to what I am now was enough to help the other people kind of break out of those holds. And so in the beginning, in the first episode, they talk about how I'm talking to my younger cousins and I'm talking to the women in the community and I'm talking to, I I guess, people that experience things similar than me, people that feel like they wanted something else, people that felt like they wanted something different. So that's where I'm at. I kept going and Faith was really good at communicating that. She's like, Paulina kept talking to me and, you know, they kept asking questions and they did their research. And I was like, I think this is going in the right direction. So I just kind of went along with it and I'm totally okay with it too. Like, I don't want anyone to feel bad for me. Really do not feel like a victim at all. I just feel like someone that left my community and now I'm talking about it. People's judgments and the words they use and people are calling me a victim. People are calling me a con artist. People are calling me a hero. Like what the fuck, bro? I'm like, just a fucking person. You know what I mean? (laughs) I'm none of this fucking shit. What did you think about episode seven where Faith is grappling with what it means for her to be telling that story and how she was realizing that she didn't end up telling the story of Romani scam artists. It was something altogether different, altogether more complex, and she felt like more important. What do you feel like about her realization or what do you think of her realizations? What was interesting is I never really thought Faith was ever going to tell a story about the, you know, scamming stuff. Like I had always 
communicated with faith. Like, I want this to be about my life. I want this to be about this. And then they would ask questions about the scamming and the lifestyle and this and that. And I'd be like, I don't really feel comfortable answering all that stuff, but I will. That's where I felt a little bit, I don't know the word betrayed, I guess. As I was listening to that to that episode, I was like, you never said it was going to be all about the scam stuff. And she said, well, it has to be like a, a a small, small part. And so in my mind, I felt like I think I may have been a little manipulated throughout the process to get them the story that they wanted. But I also felt like I may have done the same thing to a degree where it was like I did open up with like oh hey you know I do come from like a gypsy crime family you guys have literally written about them before but like can we do a follow-up because they've taken my kids for over a month like help help me and so I think they wanted more of that inside which I guess I was leading on to a degree and I needed help you know yeah and I mean, hopefully this creates a platform also to talk about the amount of racism there is toward Romani fortune tellers and the assumption that all fortune tellers are scammers and the assumption that all fortune tellers are Roma in that same vein. And I was excited that they they interviewed George Eli, who was acknowledging that, you know, I'm reading a quote now, there's a market for telling people what they want to hear. A lot of clients come to me and said they went to a psychic and they paid thousands of dollars a month and they never really got anything out of it. And George Eli was saying, you know, there are scammers in all kinds of um, professions and that in his family, they really try to work spiritually with the person. They overcharging is not something that he does. And he also talks about how when fortune telling is prosecuted or persecuted, it's usually specifically Romani people and a lot of the anti-fortune telling laws that we have in the country, which we've talked about before in our fortune telling episode in season one and a bunch of other episodes since, we're really meant to prosecute Roma people specifically. And he says, that seems like racism to me. I don't know every individual case. I don't, but I know that when one or two cases come up every three, four five years, it is so in the press. So that's racism. What do you think about the potential for the types of interviews you're doing about fortune telling to be helpful? I'm actually going to throw this question back on you. (laughs) (laughs) My feeling is that I really feel like my answer is wanting to hear your thoughts on it because I think George Eli is just one other person that practices fortune telling and although he may have like a good view or talk about it in a good direction. I feel like there's a part like the overcharging thing. Like I don't necessarily agree with that. I feel like I myself has ha- have had to raise my prices, um, you know, multiple times where it's like, first I was like 50 cents a minute. Then I was a dollar. Then I was two. Now I'm three. Like it's this consistent thing where I feel like, is it overcharging or if someone wants to charge thousands of dollars for the same thing, they can get cheaper somewhere else. I think that really is just business, unfortunately. So I think that, and maybe he did, he did kind of say that, but like, what are your thoughts on it as another fortune teller in the Romani community? It's such a good question. I don't feel like it has a simple answer. We talked about this a bit with Alice Psychic as well, because she was really saying that 
Roma also tend to undercharge the, the $5 palm reading, the $10 palm reading is a staple of the work, but you end up having to take on so many clients that you don't really have time to uh, really reflect with each one. And I've also, you know, looked at my own bank account and been like, wow, I work a lot and I don't make a lot of money. <laughs> and, um, I don't know how long I can afford to have my rates the way that they are. And some of that is just inflation. Like, you know, gas is so expensive. Food is so expensive. Yeah, I, I can barely afford to make ends meet, even though I work kind of a lot. And I'm kind of making that with the asterisk of that. I also have chronic illness and can't work as much as I used to either. I think that there's there's some important considerations around manipulation. And so if you are offering services, but you're using sort of, I guess, like what feels like above board sales tactics and people feel comfortable paying for what you're offering. And, you know, that's their own choice. But if you're you're emotionally manipulating clients or telling them that if they don't get services with you, then all these bad things are going to happen to them. That feels really sketchy. And that feels more like in the realm of overcharging because you're kind of making people feel pressured in like a kind of scary way to pay too much money for something. And also I've, I think I've talked about this before. I've definitely had clients who have shared with me the realities of their financial situation and then also wanted readings all the time from me. And I've been sort of like, I don't think you should do that. (laughs) I don't think that's good for you. And if I couldn't, you know, lower my rates for them, we just see each other less. And I think especially if people are in a tough spot, you know, I, I felt like it was important for me to create a boundary with them about like how they were spending their money on my services. And maybe that was like too pushy of me, but that's how I felt at the time. <laughs> so yeah, I guess that's all to say it's not, there's no like straightforward answer, but I think as long as you're not manipulating people and you're charging what you feel like you need to be abundant and comfortable, I think that's okay. And some people don't need to charge as much or don't want to, and that's okay too. Yeah. I'm so glad you brought that up. It's weird because with within every single episode, there needs to be so much more context and there's only so much you can fit into one thing. And I'm sure they'd had to cut out a whole bunch of shit because we have to do that too. And it's just such a great point where it's like, I think obviously there is a total difference between someone charging you the amount they want to charge you for the work that you guys want to do together and making completely unrealistic promises, you know? And also there are, Ian Hancock said it in an other way, like a smart way, basically in the first episode where he's like, it leaves space and room for, you know, abuse. You can abuse it. Like you're in a place of power. And I think people need to realize that. But it also brings me back to something that it doesn't even have a lot to do with fortune telling, but I feel like people in powerful positions in general need to not use their power where it's like a therapist can do it. Someone that's older, you know, there's financial dynamics in the workplace. I think it goes back to, again, like just don't abuse your power. And if someone's coming to you for spiritual counsel, that's a real serious, intimate, emotional, personal thing. So yeah, don't 
abuse that. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, it's so funny, just as you were saying, any any kind of power can be abused. I remembered when I was a young adjunct professor and I had a brief stint at LIU Brooklyn, this university that was super close to my house. It was a good university. It was so convenient. I could walk there in 10 minutes and I was just teaching there for a semester, I think covering someone's maternity leave or something. And I really liked teaching there, but they didn't have a space for me after the person came back. And so I went to their Christmas party and I was going to, it was kind of like my goodbye, but I was like, I'll go to the Christmas party and I'll like mingle a bit. And this old white dude professor who was tenured there came over to me and he was like, oh, I don't think I've seen you around. And I was like, yeah, I'm just filling in for so-and-so as women when she's on maternity leave. And, you know, but, you know, hopefully I come back at some point if there's space. And he was like, what's your ethnicity? And I'm like, well, I'm Romani and I'm, you know, but I'm mixed and I'm this and I'm that. And he was like, you know, I... I had a wild night with a gypsy woman in Spain yeah. and he's telling me this gross story. He's, he's definitely old enough to be my grandfather. And he like, he's a little liquored up and he like puts his arm around me and he's telling me about how he's like tenured and he has so much sway in the department. And he would just love to see someone like me in the department. And really I should just, you know what? I should call him. I should talk to him about this and he'll put in a good word. And it was so gross. And this kind of shit happened to me all the time. <laughs> There was never any road for me to really get ahead, but so many fuckers wanted to make me think that if I just cozied up to them, if I just put up with their weird stories about having sex with Roma women in Spain, that maybe magically I would not even have a chance to be tenured, but just come back at my low paid adjunct professor position. And it was just like, I'm good. I'm going to go. Awful. And so, I mean, I feel like a lot of the times Roma are more in the position of being taken advantage of, especially if we're trying to navigate the world outside of the community, which is the world I grew up in. And so it's very interesting to think about the ethics of fortune telling and making sure that we're also not being manipulative. And it's hard to hard to say where we learned that exactly. <laughs> we're just trying to survive or what, but when I say we learned that again, I don't mean all Roman fortune tellers. I just mean that it's tough out there. <laughs> yeah. Tough to survive. Oh God. So sorry about that. Oh, so gross. So gross. So gross and so common. Oh yeah. Like as soon as I tell people that they're like, oh, gypsy. I literally just told you that it's a slur. <laughs> <laughs> Wake the fuck up. No, I'm having an issue right now where people are communicating with me I feel like it is because of foretold I think it's Romanistan is getting a little bit more traction but I have had so many messages and emails of people telling me like hey you know my great 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 uncle met a gypsy back here blah 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 or I know that gypsies do this or I saw a gypsy one time in a window and I was like <laughs> before you guys email or dm or or text or anything like that if you wouldn't ask that like if you wouldn't say that to another ethnicity like, oh you know my great 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 grandfather met a black person before seriously it's really uncomfortable 
you guys like it's really uncomfortable also be I guess just aware of what you're asking us you know you know I think it's less common with people who listen or know you through Ramanistan to ask those questions, but definitely people who discovered you through Foretold are like, hey, I saw a gypsy once and I'd like you to explain some things. And it's just like, oh my God, who are you? Why are you messaging me? Yes. It's so frustrating. I think like both, you know, are offering like services where we can just talk about our culture, but we're not experts. Like, we're only American gypsies and we do things our way. And there's a million different visas and we don't speak for all gypsies. And we don't know why your grandmother had that experience five years ago. I love when people, you know, connect to their heritage. And at the same time, guys, we covered this topic so many times. Like, I'm so happy that you connected with your heritage, but like, we're doing a lot right now. And we covered this topic and I think maybe we'll need to create maybe specific like support groups or or chat rooms for people that are experiencing the same things but Jess and I can't always communicate to everyone you know what I mean yeah yeah I think that that's a good thing to mention too is we definitely created this podcast with the hope that it would help people connect to their heritage and that we wanted to interview different Romani people so you could hear other people other than us talk about it. And so that this is what we're doing to help you connect. Keep listening. Thank you so much. And we would love it if we had the time to kind of talk everyone through their stories individually. We just absolutely can't, but that doesn't mean we don't care about it, but we just physically do not have the time. But yeah, I think that it's also a good idea if you are feeling inspired as a listener to kind of create your own group or do your own thing, uh, that's awesome too. (laughs) We definitely support it because I don't even know if you and I would have time to moderate a group at this point. And even the idea of moderating social media groups makes me want to throw up in my mouth (laughs) because it sounds very stressful. But I do think that there are all kinds of already groups that exist on Facebook, Discord, all these different places where you can connect with folks who are on a similar journey to you or who do have more time to help you trace your family and things like that. Because Paulina and I aren't genealogists. We don't know where your visa is from or what your last name means. (laughs) Like we just don't know, but we're psyched, you know, for you to be thriving. And we're also really into, you know, if you are a Romani person and you were doing something really cool, like let's say you're an actress or um, a scientist or a writer or, you know, something like that, shoot us a message and just let us know that you exist. And that's great for us. We might not have a lot of feedback to give you, but just we get so excited when, you know, someone writes in, it's like, hey, I'm a Romani makeup artist and this is what I'm doing. And we're like, oh, cool. We'll follow you. You know, like that's really cute. And totally appropriate. (laughs) And we love it when our listeners write to us, especially about like their thoughts and reflections on an episode or what it is they're doing. We've enjoyed that so much. We've just noticed since Foretold has come out that you in particular, Paulina, have an uptick in really weird, stressful messages and it's taking its toll on you. Yes. I usually feel like I'm so good at disassociating (laughs) 
it's such a double-edged sword. <laughs> yes. And so I'm starting to feel again. And I'm like, guys, uh, let's tone this down a little bit, please. <laughs> there are other Romani creators. Like there's a podcast of Romani Tea Room, Roma Unraveled is on a hiatus, but I think they're coming back at some point. Romatopia, which, you know, wrapped a while ago, but it's still a great resource. Like we're not the only voices out here. And so if we're your first introduction to Romani media, know that there's a lot more out there too. And you might really enjoy that and get what you need from those voices as well. So that is it. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for listening, guys. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. We appreciate you. Stay tuned for our final debriefs of episodes eight and nine. And then the foretold series will be complete. And we're really excited to share our thoughts with you then. Thank you so much for listening and and writing in. We love you. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to Romanistan Podcast. Please rate, review, and subscribe wherever you listen or wherever you can give us five stars. It helps us so much. You can find us at romanistanpodcast.com, where we have a blog, all of our episodes, merch, links to our Patreon, fundraiser, and social media on Instagram, TikTok, and Facebook at Romanistan Podcast and on Twitter at Romanistan Pod. We run entirely on your support. So if you love the show, consider donating to our coffee fundraiser. That's K-O-F-I. The link, coffee.com backslash Romanistan, is on our website. You can also subscribe to our Patreon for extra content and treats every month. Email us at romanistanpodcast at gmail.com with listener stories, requests for advice, recipes, Romani culture, language facts, and anything else you want to share. Reach out if you want to advertise with us too. We offer sliding scale for Romani, Sinti, and related businesses. So reach out. You can find me, Jez, on Instagram, TikTok, and Facebook under Jasmina Vontila. Also, please check out my vintage and curiosities shop, Evil Eye Edit, on Etsy. You can find me, Paulina Rominski, on Instagram at underscore Paulina underscore V underscore and at RomaniHolistic.com. Follow my store, Romani Holistic, in Corona Del Mar, California, on Instagram at Romani Holistic. Romanistan is hosted by Jessica Reedy, aka Jasmina Vontila, and Paulina Verminski. Conceived of by Paulina Verminski, edited by Cherub with music by Victor Pachas and artwork by Elijah Vardo. Bye. Bye.